We've talked a lot about seances and mediums and the general concept of reaching out to the other side, but the mainstream OG of connecting to spirits has to be the Ouija board. Ah, classic, classic stuff. And you may or may not know Ouija's backstory, but it had a pretty fast rise to fame and there's also some science behind how it works. So grab your planchette and get ready. It's funny you say that. I feel like I'm surrounded by Ouija paraphernalia. So I'll grab like eight planchettes (laughs) and then we can start. Just come back with your arms full and sit down and get comfy. (laughs) Hi, everyone, and welcome to Rituals, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm M. Schultz. And I'm Christine Schieffer. Every week, we'll explore the evolution of spiritualism and the occult through stories, practices, and the impact on modern culture. We, today, we, ja, are talking about, hmm, can you guess what it is? A Ouija board, Christine. <laughs> I'm very excited. This is something you've covered on the So We Drink at some point, relatively recently, but... Episode 266, actually. Wow, I'm glad you're there, because I'm not. But I will say, I learned a lot then, but I forgot most of it. So I can't wait to relearn it. Hey, me too. And I did the like three hours of research. But anytime you and I ever get a chance to talk about Ouija boards, we have a pretty good time. Happily. I think we've been talking about that more than anything in our whole friendship. I think from the very beginning, we've been talking about Ouija boards. I feel like it's very symbolic of our whole interest, our friendship, our interests, our jobs, etc. Very powerful in many ways. So let's crack into it. I hate discussing this with you, but I feel like we must, Christine. (laughs) I like how you just did a 180. You're like, we love to talk about Ouija boards. (laughs) Anyway, I really hate that we have to talk about this. Here's the thing. We love talking about Ouija boards, but I don't love talking about this particular part of it, which is where we duke it out about whether or not Ouija boards are something we should be playing with. Christine is very in the camp of we should. We should. We should. And (laughs) we do. And that's because I have a tendency to manipulate M into playing Ouija board with me, and I'm pretty good at it. I'm very easy to sway. So, like, my boundaries are not very strong, but I personally would never think to even touch a Ouija board if Christine were not in the room asking for hours before it happens. There were a few times M has tried to stop me, and I... (laughs) I have found my way around it by making my own Ouija board and using a wine glass. I had to drink the wine out of it first, but I did that. I sacrificed that and I turned over the wine glass because M had hidden away my Ouija board. And so I made my own. I feel like you're one of those people where if you fight back at all, Christine will fight back twice as hard. So (laughs) I have actively removed Ouija boards from the room. And then I would just come back 10 minutes later and she made one with her hands. There are like eight more. Yeah. There's suddenly eight more and they're worse. What do you call it? My bootleg Ouija board. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> would you like to share a time that you have made contact with someone from the other side, Christine? Yeah. You know, um, most of the, my memories are with you, again, much to your chagrin. But I do recall that we had something, someone at my old house in LA and we decided to use a Ouija board to figure out who it was. And we learned that his name was Walt and he was a very friendly spirit. And we asked, it was one of my favorite Ouija board sessions ever. We asked what his job was and he said vagabond. We asked, 
what's your favorite food? And he said, gin. And I said, this is my kind of guy. Like, this guy knows what we're about. I think he had been watching us in your house for several years. And he was like, I feel safe with these people. (laughs) I can be honest. Yeah, they don't intimidate me. He also has a dog named Gabe that apparently Christine's dog has been friends with this whole time that we did not know about. My dog would chase around this something that we couldn't see, run around corners. And we found out that Walt had a dog named Gabe. And if you don't believe in Ouija boards, you are thinking we are totally batty right now. But I'm telling you, it was spooky. And we did one at my current house because I just can't stop. And uh, we did a Ouija board (laughs) session. But this time I lit a candle. I tried to make it, you know, uh, surround ourselves in light. You know, I tried to make M feel slightly more comfortable. And we can, you're so welcome. We connected with a spirit named Lazarus, who was four years old. So I have yet to figure out if that's a real, you know, connection or if, again, we just invented that with our fingers. I'm not sure. All I know is Christine's current house is so incredibly haunted, it's out of control. And so the fact that we only found a four year old named Lazarus makes me totally fine, makes me feel super I loved okay. Him. He spelled his own name wrong. It was the cutest thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if anyone who's a skeptic is saying that we just spelt it wrong with our own hands, that could also very well be true. Entirely <laughs> possible. Have you ever felt that you've received a true message from a Ouija board? Honestly, I don't think so. I don't think there was ever a time when I received something that I felt like I could 100% corroborate. Have you? No, but I also don't think I've ever asked for one. Me neither. I think the farthest I usually go is like, what's your name? And then I'm too freaked out for any other intelligent question to come out of it. So I don't know if I would want to know because I feel like it's kind of whether or not it's true or not, it's universally understood that you probably shouldn't ask the board, like, are you evil or am I going to die? Like something terrible like that. So I think all advice I just try to avoid. Yeah, we try to keep it light and breezy, you know, like what's your favorite (laughs) food? And it's I hope it's alcohol because so is mine, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 When was the first time you remember even knowing what a Ouija board was or using one? So small, so little. So, so tiny and so sneaky and evil. I got a Ouija board from my mother. I begged for one and she got me one. I don't think she totally really understood what it was. And so, of course, I started playing it with my neighbor. And when my mom met my stepdad, he was like, oh, I don't think so and got rid of it. But then I went on a trip with my stepmom and I was like, this is my chance. So (laughs) I walked into an FAO Schwartz. And I said, I need that Ouija board. Bought it at F.A. Schwartz, hid it under my bed for years. So he never found out. Hey, you know what? You did what you had to. We have a long and storied past. I've always appreciated having like a double set of parents because it's easier to get around things sometimes, I think. There are loopholes. There are certain constrictions. Your stepmom and your stepdad not talking to each other. Definitely not speaking. No, no. If you're me, you're bio mom and your bio dad absolutely not talking to each other so like (laughs) certainly the step ones aren't talking to each other either so you can really get away with murder i like how normal people are like i could get away with murder or a party and i'm like i will buy a new ouija board at fao schwartz (laughs) (laughs) nailed it i think that my first one i don't know where my first one came from because i think i mentioned this before but i it was the first year harry potter came out oh your spooky party every kid's birthday party was harry potter that year and my mom associated witchcraft and spirits. They were the same in the same bubble for her. They were both magical in some way, I think, to her. So she tried to get a Ouija board for my Harry Potter party. And I remember my mom like struggling to find one because it was banned everywhere. And oh. every kid 
was terrified except for like one child in the basement. And I was and like, And it was M. And it was Deirdre, who is still my best friend to this day. So <laughs> it, makes sense. it makes a lot of sense. Uh, but yeah, so that's the earliest I recall. But I don't think I ever actually really used one too often as an adult. So, well, I am working on changing that. So if you want to sign my change.org petition. Oh, <laughs> OK, I'll look into it. I'll put it in the show notes. Okay. I'll bookmark it for later. So let's start with the super duper basics. What is a Ouija board, which is also sometimes called a spirit board or a talking board? It's a flat board, like a board game. And from the bottom up, you have the word goodbye dead center at the bottom. Okay. Above goodbye in a straight row are numbers zero through nine. And above the numbers in two semicircle lines is the alphabet. Right. Um, So a very basic keyboard. Let's consider it that. (laughs) Good point. A flat at keyboard. It's not a QWERTY. Not QWERTY. ABC. ABC. Yeah. And in the upper left and right corners are the words yes and no. And then the board comes with a planchette, which for a lot of my childhood, I thought was the pancetta. And (laughs) I could not keep the word separate in my head. I always thought it was a pancetta. You're like, mom, can you bring down the pancetta to the basement for the party? Charcuterie, I mean, Ouija board. (laughs) Hang on. A charcuterie Ouija board. Put that in a folder somewhere in your brain because I want to do that. That I will bookmark and actually open later. Yeah, I'd like to revisit that topic. Okay, so the board comes with a planchette. Which is a teardrop shaped object that is used to move around the board. And it usually has a clear window in it so you can see through it, so you can see where the planchette is actually landed, so you can see what letter it's on. So, two or more people sit around the board, so you and me, begrudgingly so. (laughs) And we put our fingertips on the planchette, and then you ask the board a question, and the planchette moves around the board, answering the question by spelling out the words going letter by letter, or it can just say yes or no. Sometimes it has straight up said goodbye because I think it took one look at us and went, whatever you're up to, I don't want a piece of. <laughs> they looked at the dirty wine glass I was using in the planchette. They were like, are you kidding me? I don't want to be a part of this. <laughs> so you use the little window to see the word or the letter it's officially landed on. A lot of people mistake using the planchette as like an arrow and whatever it's pointing at is the letter. Right. And that seems to get people in trouble, me included. And the Ouija board was technically created and named in Baltimore, Maryland in 1890. So that far back. So old. I always forget that the Ouija board is that old. In my mind, it's from like the 60s. I think of it as like some part of hippie culture for some reason or like. It feels like something out of the 50s and 60s. I wonder if that's because it's sort of like a board game and it's kind of marketed as that in a way. I don't know. I feel like it's only from like satanic panic era like even that early so maybe yeah anyway it is not it's from 1890 which actually does make sense in the context of spiritualism totally so years before that in 1886 that was the real beginning here where news started getting out about this talking board that had become very popular in ohio spiritualist camps uh love that news started getting out (laughs) like right <laughs> on the landline party line? Like, where was the news getting out? The newsies were gathering and they just had to put together. X3, X3. Why did you say X3, X3? I don't know. Don't people say that sometimes? Girl, it's extra. I know, but I thought like sometimes in the old time. <laughs> sure. Sometimes when people don't know how to say extra. <laughs> <I'm-> <laughs> okay. So anyway, X3, X3, read all about it. <laughs> however the doozies said it when they snapped, I guess. Uh, there was a businessman named Charles Kennard, and he heard about the talking board phenomena, the craze all around Ohio. <laughs> and he wanted in. 
So he got a coffin maker who was in the office near his and had him build some talking boards for him to start pitching around for financing. So first of all, capitalism. Second of all, I feel like the worst thing to do going into business with spirits is to start on the like wrong karmic foot by stealing someone else's idea. I thought you were going to say coffin because I'm like, did they take a coffin to make well, this thing? I think they did, too, because that at least feels very on brand to have the coffin maker build your prototype. Absolutely. Like, you're right. It might have been out of a literal slab of coffin. Just take this slab of coffin, write goodbye on it. Don't worry. I'm going to make millions. Don't even worry about it. I do wonder, like, was it made out of coffin then? That makes total sense why it would just be from, like, scrap coffin. (laughs) I wonder then, like, is that the most powerful Ouija board out there? Okay. Here's the thing that I feel like people are thinking in their heads. I'm not positive, but I feel like the logical people are thinking, well, a coffin maker probably has access to a lot of wood to make coffins. I don't think he made the coffin and then took it apart to make the Ouija board. No, but but like if you have wood that was going to get nailed into a coffin shape anyway, therefore... It was to be a coffin. It was, it was a pre-coffin slab. You I do actually get it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. That's, that's why we have the show, you know? You know, we're on top of it, you and me. I get it. Okay. I think. So there was a Baltimore lawyer who claimed his sister-in-law was a medium and helped them start the Kennard Novelty Company, which okay. incredibly enough, here's the fun part, was incorporated the day before Halloween. In 1890. So spooky. So spooky. It feels very spooky. So we've got the Baltimore lawyer and his sister-in-law, Charles Kennard, and the coffin maker. <laughs> and they're all kind of wandering around ready to sell this thing, I guess. <laughs> so the company began mass manufacturing Ouija boards, which are the versions we know today. Okay. And the sister-in-law, who claimed to be a medium, also helped get the U.S. Patent Office to approve that certification. Mm -hmm. So she's also credited with the name because a lot of people want to know, what does Ouija even mean? Right. So the sister-in-law, who was a medium, said it was spoken to her that Ouija was the name of it because Ouija means good luck. In a language? So I think it was... I remember the last time I covered this was long enough ago. My memory doesn't serve anymore. I feel like there was some controversial discussion of it maybe being like told to her as if it were like Egyptian or something because it's then oh, started being sold as like an Egyptian talking board. Oh, my. Well, yeah, you might be planning to mention this, but I do remember that my understanding was always that it was to a combination of French and German, the words for yes. And then you corrected me on that, that that's not actually what it meant. So one of the main running theories now is that we, French for yes, and ya is German for yes, that it just means yes, yes. Right. So that's one of the running theories. But historically, this sister-in-law had a moment in her mediumship where someone told her it meant good luck, Okay. which sounds very ominous that it's like, good luck with this one. It does. Um, It's either about to be really good or really not good. Yeah. But here's the other twist to it is that even though she claimed that it meant good luck, Uh she had a locket on that day and many days before and after of an activist at the time named Marie Ramey. And she was known by her nickname, which was We Duh with a D instead of a J. Oh my God. And so... I feel like it was a weird amount of interest. A fangirl? A fangirl, if you will, because she had this random activist in her locket. And it was a picture of her with her name above it that said, we duh. And so there's a running story that maybe she was trying to name this thing after this female activist. 
my God. As like an homage to her and just kind of got away with it by saying like, oh, the spirits are telling me it means good luck. But really, it's the name of someone she really admired. And by the way, while I'm here, I'll let everyone know that a lot of people wonder if it's pronounced Ouija or Ouija. Mm -hmm. Well, there's an ad from the 1920s when, by the way, in the 1920s, Ouija boards were selling as popular as bubblegum, just to give you an idea (gasps) of how many people eventually are buying these things. And so there were a bunch of ads for it at the time. It was like in the Saturday Evening Post, all this stuff. And one of the ads from Ouija was a quote that says, if you call it a Ouija or Ouija, it still spells good fun. So And good luck, apparently. And good luck and also an activist person. But so <laughs> I think even they were saying it doesn't matter how you say it. Wow. So they were playing into the kind of like back and forth on how to say it. Interesting. Um, It ends up being both a game and an actual piece of spiritualist, an instrument for spiritualism. So they had a fun time marketing to both eventually. So at this point in the story, Ouija was billed as both a mystical oracle for communicating with the spirits as well as wholesome amusement, (laughs) which I love that they're selling it as ghosts and general merriment, like (laughs) a little bit of everything. And it soon became the only patented board game to ever outsell Monopoly in a given year. No way. Coming up, wait until I tell you how many Ouija boards were being sold per week in the beginning and how the success caused some deep family drama. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. By the early 1890s, the Kenner Novelty Company had created, named, and patented their Ouija boards, and immediately over 2,000 boards were being sold per week. Okay, so how many Monopoly boards were being sold per week? Because if it's more... I can't get past that. That's pretty wild. That's a lot. What about Candyland? Okay, anyway, we can keep going forever. I was about to say Shoots and Ladders, and, you know, then we could just play this game all day of throwing around board games. The game is naming games, I think. Yeah, it's really a boring game for everyone else. But no, I honestly could not tell you what the number was for Monopoly, but I'm shocked that it was ever even around this number for Ouija boards, too. 2000 a week. I mean, you're thinking this is, I would imagine, well, not for me, but a one-time purchase for most people. Yeah, I remember at the time it was the equivalent to $45 today. Oh, my gosh. In 1890. Well, because I think at the time it was being purchased as two different things it was right it was a family game but it was also during this huge first wave of spiritualism it was a really useful tool so i feel like it could be used as a game but they were selling it as an instrument so okay okay i feel like that was the argument i'm totally guessing there but i feel like it, it actually wasn't that bad of a price for the time yeah so you might be saying like what is going on with these people in the 19th century why is everybody buying this It's a hit. Uh, Such a hit. I guess this is in between the two waves of spiritualism. But there was also just so much more death every day at the time. People Mm -hmm. didn't live as long. People had so many kids back then. And a lot of times, not 
all of them made it. Right. In homes in America, there were parlor rooms that were considered multi-purpose rooms. They were used for entertaining and funerals. Oh. So the fact that everyone had a funeral room, basically, in their house, or like a room just like ready to go for a funeral. Well, I guess anyone who had a parlor had a funeral room. I feel like probably not everyone had a parlor, but... I feel like everyone still kind of has a parlor if you're in one of those like middle-class homes and everyone's got the room you don't eat in and the room you don't sit in, but like... (laughs) (laughs) it's designed to look like you do. I feel like those are technically today's parlors. You could just clear it out and be like, this is where the funeral would be if we were in a small enough town. (laughs) What did they put in the 90s? Like they put the plastic wrap over the couches. Like just push that (laughs) aside. (laughs) Because I know exactly in my mom's house where the funeral room would be. And it's a nice room. Well, yeah, your mom probably has like an actual funeral room, like a parlor and a funeral room, the the second parlor. My mom's not the best example, I guess. She's got one of everything. But having found huge success quickly, Charles Kennard cashed out and William Fold, who was an employee and an investor in the company, ended up taking over. Mm. And William Fold ended up making millions on Ouija boards, too. But this is only because he ended up cutting his brother out (gasps) of the company. What? And the brother was so angry that the two sides of the family didn't speak for 96 years. <gasps> oh, no. Which, like, I feel like at that point, I'm glad you got back in touch. But couldn't you have waited for more to, like, make it around 100? Do the big century anniversary, you know? Yeah. It's been 100 years since we spoke. And then it, it maybe talked for the first time over a Ouija board. I don't know. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, I wonder if that's how they communicated the first time. with William Fold himself 100 years later. I'm saying. So in 1919, William Fold claimed that the Ouija board had told him to build a new factory for the company. And years later, while it was being built, William was on the roof overseeing a flag being installed and the roof, if he fell off the roof, basically. What? So... That's just like a weird, spooky thing. Kind of like the guy with the segways where like the CEO of Segway fell off the cliff on a first thought. Like he created the thing that killed him. And William Fold has that same kind of story of like a Ouija board told him to build this building and then he fell off of it and died. I thought it was going to be like, and then they opened his locket and there was a building in it. And it was like, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) This is way worse. (laughs) I love that he would have, (laughs) not everyone has that weird of an attachment to inanimate objects as you do, Christine. (laughs) The only person I can think of that would have a locket of a building is you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fair point. So, by the way, this is the reason why I don't like talking to Ouija boards, because what if they're legit and what if they're giving me advice and that advice is going to kill me? That's a good point. I don't think you and I have ever asked for advice from a Ouija board because we are not trusting enough to take it, I don't think. Well, because even then, like, that was a pretty like bare bones advice that didn't feel probably threatening to William Fold of like, oh, here's advice for your career. Build a new factory. Like probably made a lot of sense. Yeah. So like, I feel like the Ouija board could tell me like, go treat yourself, get yourself a sandwich, buy yourself something pretty. And then I die on the way. What? I don't want to do that. Then you fall off the cookie factory. (laughs) And inside (laughs) is a locket of all the cookies I made there. Yeah. (laughs) But that actually does ring true in my. That sounds more like me. Yeah. Yeah, it does. So on his deathbed, William made his kids promise that they would keep the Ouija business in the family. And it Mm -hmm. did stay in the family until about 40 years later. And they sold it to the Parker brothers, which (laughs) were like, it's been long enough. (laughs) Like, honestly, any advice we get from from these things is too creepy now. So honestly, and also, you know, speaking of which, 40 years, the original brothers, they got 96 out of it. 
You only right. weighed 40 and you were like, eh, it's enough. And also here's the thing. I would love to talk to the family members who kept it after William Fold died for 40 years. Can they confirm that they ever spoke to Grandpa William Fold? Because I feel like they oh. were the people, if anyone was going to get an accurate reading on a Ouija board, it was going to be the descendants of the owner of Ouija's. That is such a good point. Maybe he told them to sell it through the Ouija board. Oh, maybe. Maybe they got the permission or something like that. Mm. But yeah, so the Parker Brothers ended up buying it, which I feel like was probably a good deal. I feel like the Parker Brothers, uh, yeah, in hindsight. Yeah, I think they probably made out fine with that. I think they're okay. They ended up moving Ouija to their location in Salem, Massachusetts in 1967, what? which is so on brand, it tickles me. It fits really well. And I think on the box, it says Salem on it. And I just always thought that was kind of a little fun. A spooky touch. Yeah, I didn't know it was actually where they were located. Well, it would make sense. I think they still are because in Salem, there's like a Ouija board museum there. And so that explains it. It's a very nice museum. Uh, And in its first year of being based out of Salem, it sold two million boards. And Ouija can give off some board game solely for entertainment vibes. But as an alleged spiritual tool, it's made it into real life headlines for some very dark reasons. And this Mm. isn't something that I covered on And That's Why We Drink. I didn't cover it in detail. I feel like I only gave you a couple snippets of this, but now I'm going to talk about specifically Ouija board true crime. (gasps) Okay, I'm listening. (laughs) Finally. So (laughs) in 1920, the National Wire Services reported that amateur crime solvers were using Ouija boards to try to solve the murder of a New York City gambler named Joseph Burton Elwell. Wait, what? Which, by the way, I love knowing that if you, Christine Schieffer, were to time travel a century back, you would be in good company and Easily. find friends so quickly. I walk into the first parlor and I'm like, finally, I'm in the right decade. You'd walk into any home and be like, where's the funeral room? And then you'd find a little gaggle of girls all hanging out and you'd solve crime together. With We're your trying board. to solve a murder. I mean, it really does. I feel like maybe I'm in the wrong decade right now. What's it like to know if you were to Marty McFly back in time, you could feel safe that you'd make friends very easily? I wear a lot of leggings and I feel like that alone wouldn't fly. So I imagine there are other parts of my life that I'm not considering. But for now, I feel like it would be a match made in heaven. Yeah, throw like a big Pendleton blanket wrap around you and then go to the 1920s and like you'll be (laughs) modest, you'll be the hottest. It's all there. I'm in. You don't know that? Modest is hottest. So the (laughs) following year in 1921, the New York Times reported on a Chicago woman who said that she wasn't suffering from mania, but the Ouija spirits were telling her to leave her mother's dead body in the living room for 15 days before burying her in the backyard. I mean, this has some troubling parallels to the funeral room again. Mm-hmm. The parlor. And keep in mind, this is, again, during like a wave of spiritualism where people are really taking this stuff super seriously. So what year was that? This was the people trying to solve a crime was 1920. And then a year later, 1921 oh. was a woman... Killing her mom and leaving her out for 15 days because a Ouija board told her to. So, wow. Okay. So in 1930, there are two women in Buffalo, New York, who committed a murder because they said the Ouija board told them to. Oh, no. So, and this is 1930. I feel like this is when, like, kind of, like, Ouija boards are, well, I don't know. In the 60s, they were still selling like crazy. But I feel like in 1930, spiritualism was on its way out in some ways. Right, so right. Interesting that it's still this powerful to some people. Yeah. 
And this one's much more recent. In 1995, there were four teenage boys in London who were, I wonder if they were having a sleepover or something, but they were together in their bedroom. That was also, by the way, a satanic shrine. Oh, sure, 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 sure. And one of them ended up murdered because (gasps) the group used a Ouija board to try to summon Satan. Oh, God. And the planchette spelled out the word kill. See, okay. I mean, no wonder these things get a bad rap. Yeah. I mean, that's a hit headline as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. That alone, I can understand parents being like, nah, we're going to skip this one. See, I feel like if I ever got a Ouija board that said kill, I'd be so freaked out that I would just never touch it again. But they really. But you also don't have a satanic shrine, as far as I know, a satanic shrine in your bedroom. That's true. They feel. I wonder also, like, this is a really sick thing to think, but I wonder, like, who volunteered that or who got tricked into being the one, you know? Well, yeah, I wonder if it was like, spell it out. Uh, There's a lot of ways that could have gone. A few years later in 2001, there was a woman in Oklahoma who claimed that after her daughter and two granddaughters played with the Ouija board, she got a message from God to kill her son-in-law. What? Which is weird that she's combining the Ouija board with messages from God, because I feel like those, for some reason in my head, don't go together. Well, my thought is, like, maybe she felt like the son-in-law bought the Ouija board and entered it into their family, and now he needed, you know, I mean, I don't know the story. Who knows? Yeah, totally right. (sighs) I'm surprised, though, we haven't heard more about people using the Ouija board. Like, in theory, if you're talking to spirits, you could, if you're super religious, speak to God himself through it. I mean, I feel like it's so weird that I don't put those two as similar things. Well, I think the modern day Christian stance is to avoid the Ouija board at all costs because it's it's satanic. It's like a devil's tool. Yeah. And I think the idea is like you are not talking to anything good if you use it, no matter what. So I don't think they even believe you could speak to a positive spirit. Right. Fair. But as we'll get into it, I feel like that is a more recent belief. Right. Okay. And then finally, I'll do one more. Then in December 2007, there were two teenagers from Washington who decided that they wanted to be serial killers for a living. That was their dream job. Oh, okay. And so they used the Ouija board to get career advice. Oh, my God. Which, again, now I'm totally getting why Christians would be like, don't touch that thing. Seriously. But allegedly, the planchette spelled out mom. And so (gasps) they murdered their moms. What? Oh, God. Which, like, I feel like that could have meant anything. It could have been like, no, go talk to your mom or no, show this to your mom or kill anyone but your mom. Like, it could have meant anything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's just when I think people are looking for the answer that they want, you know, and big Especially if skeptics are true here or or correct here and thinking that it's like your own brain spelling things out on the board. The fact that two people wanted to be serial killers and their brains spelled out mom and nothing else. And then they went for it and did it. Yeah, there's something there. Yeah. Up next, scientifically speaking, how do Ouija boards work? I'll debunk one of the most famous debates that happen when people use the board. And I think you're not going to like what I have to say, Christine. I don't want to (laughs) know. The popularity of Ouija boards has lasted for decades, and that's come with some help from pop culture references. So first of all, there's Norman Rockwell, who painted a cover for the Saturday Evening Post in 1920 that featured people playing with a Ouija board on a cute little date. And then here's what I wanted to tell you earlier, because up into the 60s, people were buying all of these Ouija boards, and it didn't really feel 
like people considered it a satanic tool yet, but do you want to take a stab at what you think caused the beginnings of that narrative? I actually have a guess. Mm -hmm. Was it The Exorcist? Yes. Okay. So in 1973, the Ouija board was officially a scary, scary thing because The Exorcist came out. And The Exorcist is a movie featuring a kid who plays with the board and gets possessed by a demon. And people then saw the Ouija board as evil and religious groups denounced it. So that would make sense why even in 1967, they were just flying off the shelves because... It does. It totally does. Because it wasn't seen as scary yet. I know. That makes so much sense. The Exorcist was one of like five horror movies I've ever watched. I watched it very unwillingly. And so it's stuck in my mind forever. But I don't know. To me, I watched it and I went to FAO Schwartz and bought myself a new Ouija board. But I guess to my stepdad, he watched it and went... (laughs) Get rid of it. I feel like it was one of those movies where if you were able to see it in theaters when it came out and compared to other scary movies of the time, I think it was probably a very scary thing and unheard of for the moment. Oh, yeah. But I feel like if you watch the really horrid stuff that's out now as a scary movie and then you go back and watch The Exorcist from 73, you're kind of like, it kind of makes the whole satanic panic look kind of comical. Yeah, like silly. (laughs) And it it was not at the time. And a lot of lives were damaged and et cetera. But yeah, looking back, it's almost like, oh, yeah. Now we have Saw and all these other groups. I mean, that's even old now. But yeah, all the gruesome stuff. I think it's because it makes parts of satanic panic look just like, why were people so worried or what was the deal? So worked up about things. Yeah. I feel like... It shows how desensitized we are today, because Mm -hmm. if that messed with people to a point where there was a whole movement and there isn't one now when things are so much worse that you could see on television. Oh, yeah. I mean, people were blaming rock music for, you know, satanic behavior. So, yeah, it didn't age well. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So anyway, that's now the 1970s. People are freaked out by Ouija boards. That was where it all started. And then plus after the 70s, when people were scared of The Exorcist and a lot of movies started featuring Ouija boards, then you go into Satanic Panic and it just kind of grew, grew, grew Mm. until about the 90s. And that whole period of time, people were just had reason to be scared. And then your mom was buying them for your birthday party. (laughs) And then my Harry Potter birthday came up and my mom was mad she couldn't find one. So... So Ouija has continued to be used in TV shows and movies, including Paranormal Activity 1 and 2. Also, the mall store Hot Topic sells Ouija board designs on just about everything, including bra and underwear packets. Mm. So yeah, here, let me show you. Oh, I was going to be like, did you dress the part for today? (laughs) I would have if anything I ever bought from Hot Topic still fit me, which I'm sure it does not. (laughs) I will say one of the best places to get Ouija board designs is Spirit Halloween in October. There's a whole Ouija section and it's just filled to the brim. I have another hot tip. If you host a True Crime Paranormal podcast, you will receive (laughs) all sorts of Ouija related. And honestly, I have collections. I know I only have shown you my little resin one, but I have a keychain. I have all sorts of fun little Ouija stuff people people have have made us. sent us resin Ouija, wood Ouija boards, everything. yeah. Also, our logo literally looks like the Ouija board. Wait, wait. Okay. Yeah, that's part of it. And then, you know, the board had to get its own movie. So the movie simply titled Ouija came out in 2014. And in 2016, a prequel came out called Ouija Origin of Evil. Have you seen either of those movies? Mm, Certainly not. Do I look like I've seen either of them? Have you? (laughs) No, I haven't seen that. I really don't go to movie theaters if it's not a Marvel movie. So 
I'm sure it's on Hulu or something, right? I'm sure it's there. Halloween is a big month for us where we try to watch a scary movie every night. So it might be on the roster this year. Put it on the roster. Okay. So this is how Ouija boards work scientifically. So for (sighs) all my skeptics tuning in, here you go. Lazarus, are you listening? (laughs) Lazarus, we're about to gaslight you out of existence. (laughs) So here comes some shocking news. Scientists have confirmed that Ouija boards are not, in fact, powered by spirits or demons. I thought it was going to be actually shocking news and I was so excited. I was like, oh boy, here's the twist. I would have gotten wound up real quick. (laughs) So the biggest argument that happens between the two people using the board is who is actually moving the planchette. So the truth is one of these two people is always moving it. The Ouija board works on a principle called the ideometer effect. And Mm. that means that there are unconscious muscular movements happening. So someone's moving the planchette They don't mean to. It's just happening. Mm -hmm. And planchettes are perfect for the ideometer effect because they're built to move smoothly across the board. In the past, they were made of lightweight wood and fitted with small casters. And today they even have like that felt on the bottom on top of a plastic board. So it's very easy to accidentally move. So tiny, unnoticeable muscle movements make them move around without you even thinking about Mm. it. So I hate to break it to you, but the science says they don't work. Well, then here's my question, Em. Why are you so opposed to using it? I'm so opposed because I still believe in the mind over matter of it. I still think if you're giving something energy, then you're opening it up slightly to be used as a tool, whether or not it's meant for that purpose. You know what? That's exactly how I feel. And I'm glad you said that because it's the same, in my mind, the same theory behind dowsing rods, the same theory behind pendulums, that the ideometer effect, yes, it does come into play, but you can also channel that energy and intention and Mm -hmm. connect with either your higher self or a spirit or a spirit guide. And I totally believe that that's possible. So. So that's why, because I know that between the two of us, we could manifest something real spooky. Didn't you <laughs> manifest could, a building true. falling down or something? Ah, so like, yeah. oh, right. Let's. <laughs> and you didn't even have a Ouija board at the time or me being open minded to it. So I think it could really cause some infrastructure problems. To be fair, you seem to forget that I did have a Ouija board under my bed. Just don't tell Tim, uh, my stepdad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, from what you know, how do you feel about Ouija boards at this point? Has your opinion changed? I feel like the answer is no. The answer is absolutely not. I mean, this has been a fun roller coaster. And I think it reminds me of the tarot episode where you taught me that the origins and they surprised me because with tarot, we were surprised to learn this was a parlor game. With Ouija, I was surprised to learn this was not a parlor game. This was actually a spiritualism tool in the funeral parlor yeah, and became almost a game. And so, I don't know, it's kind of a fun little twist. I hadn't compared the two before, but that's so right that tarot started as one and became the other and Ouija was vice versa. Hmm. Yeah, weird. And I don't know, I think there's definitely a lot of controversy, not controversy, but just a lot of skepticism surrounding Ouija. And I am with you, Em. I just feel like you put the intention behind it and like you can cause problems, cause infrastructural damage. Uh So yeah, I'm with you. I feel like I don't totally change my mind. I don't haven't become a skeptic. What would you say to anyone wanting to use a Ouija board as someone who likes to use a Ouija board? Yes, I do. But I am also very, again, aware of my energy and intention. And I think my advice would be 
again, not an expert here, but my advice would be to go into it with positive intentions. Like Em said, maybe don't ask for life advice. Or Mm -hmm. when I was researching my kind of dowsing rod history, I read an interesting point that said, don't ask any questions that have answers you might not be ready to hear or willing to hear. Oh, And I feel like that's a great way to go into it. Like, <laughs> don't go in over your head and ask questions you might not be prepared to hear yeah. the answer for. Because even if it is just your subconscious, like, that's a scary place, too. At least mine is. Arguably the scariest place Arguably sometimes. scarier. Uh, yeah, I would say please use responsibly. Yes. I know there are some main rules that everyone should probably know before you get into it. I know that there are certain ways to dispose of them. I don't think breaking them in half and burying them is the right way, or maybe that is the right way. But I know setting them on fire is a big fat no. Don't do that. Don't do that. I know leaving the planchette on the board when you're done with it is still keeping the portal open. So keep those separate from each other. What's another one? You have to sign off with goodbye to close the session. I would say that's the biggest rule the big is one. when you're done make sure you very clearly enthusiastically are saying goodbye when you close out i like to light a candle and just say you know i only wish good intention and energy in this space i know mm-hmm. this sounds very woo woo but that's just my safety mechanism <laughs> fair enough i like to say goodbye a thousand times you do you do i literally go goodbye 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 i am out of here i say i am closing out in just as many ways as possible Probably a good 20-minute routine at the end is me saying I'm out as clearly in as many versions as Waving you can. to the air. It's a whole <laughs> thing. Also, I will say, if the board ever starts continually spelling out something like Zozo, um, mm-hmm. maybe you're in a lot of trouble. And if you would like to learn more about that, go check out episode 24 of And That's Why We Drink. <laughs> there's Zozo. There's also, I've heard if it's going in an infinity pattern or an eight, mm-hmm. maybe just close out for the day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe light some candles and do whatever you need to cleanse your space. Cleanse your space. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Information on today's episode came from Smithsonian Magazine, Baltimore Magazine, Vox, Independent, NPR, News on 6 Tulsa, and The Daily News. Remember to follow Rituals on Spotify to get a brand new episode every week. And you can listen to this and all other episodes of Rituals for free exclusively on Spotify. And if you like this show, follow at Parcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. You can find me at DM Schultz. And you can find me at XT Schieffer. Thanks again for listening and see you next week. Rituals is executive produced by Max Cutler and is a Spotify original from Parcast. It was created by Max Cutler. Sound design by Kristen Acevedo with associate sound design by Kevin McAlpine. Fact-checking by Cara Mackerlein. Research by Chelsea Wood. It's produced by Kristen Acevedo and Jonathan Ratliff with production assistance by Ron Shapiro. We are your hosts, Christine Schiefer and M. Schultz. <laughs>